I don't care how healthy your parents are, how sharp they are. Do you know their wishes? Because it could happen at any time. Yes. I mean, it can happen in their 60s. It can happen in their 70s. And we hope that they live forever, you know, for a long time. But having the conversation, I feel so much better knowing I will carry out their wishes more than anything. But it doesn't make it easier. And give yourself some grace and patience and with your siblings and yourself, because it's a lot to take on. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Hi, welcome everybody. We've got a really fascinating topic today. Fascinating, a little hard to talk about maybe, but today's episode is about aging parents because Christy, you and I are both at the age right now where we're dealing, you've dealt with far more than I have with your dad just passing, but we're going to dive into aging parents and then where it shifts over to parenting your parents And just, we know you and I, and so many of our friends, we're just in that season of life where we're having to talk about it. And and just really going through that process. And honestly, as we've been talking about it, I could feel my anxiety levels just start to go up I know because it's all the things that you don't know and all the things that you're aware of, but maybe you haven't put any focus on. And so you start to like, get a little overwhelmed by the stuff you still have to do and put in place. Yes. Yes. So today we're just going to talk about really like the tip of the iceberg because there is so much information out there, so many resources, and we're only going to speak to it from our perspective. We are by no means experts on this topic other than our personal experiences and everybody has a different experience. So what we wanted to start off with is that question is where do you start? At what point, what age, where do you even start having the conversation with your parents or your siblings? And I'll just kind of start with this, and I want you to fill this in too. I think the first thing that you have to think about is just simply starting off with a conversation with your parents of, hey, what have you ever thought about it? And I think it could be at any age. I don't think it's ever too soon. I think sometimes we get the false impression if our parents are super active because people are living longer. They're super sharp. They're active. They could be 85 years old and they're like, God, they're doing awesome. And you don't think to ask the question of, and what I would say the questions are, are first off, what are your wishes? Have they thought about it? What if you need in-home health care? What if you need to go into a home? Do you want, I mean, it depends all financially too, where they're at. But I think it's just really about having that conversation first and sitting down with your parents and, and starting to talk about it because it's not always easy. No. And, and I think, you know, in some cases, your parents are uncomfortable talking about it. And yes. they also might be a little hesitant to share all of the situations in terms of their finances and what they've done or what they haven't done. And, you know, my experience was with my dad and his wife and 
we did have the conversation about what their will looked like and what their trust looked like. But the reality was it didn't happen until after my dad had already gone into hospice. And so we were kind of behind the eight ball on it. Fortunately, after he had, you know, they had put him in hospice and had only given him maybe 24 hours, uh, he bounced back. And fortunately, we were able to have some more time with him, but we took advantage of, we didn't know how long we had, but we did take advantage of making sure that we had some things set up, which was the will and the trust and the executor. And it was tough. It was tough on them because the reality was a little bit more real than when you're just kind of having that conversation, like you mentioned, as hopefully earlier on. Uh, It was tough for us having to you know, really outline what some of the things were going to look like and who was going to be the executor. Yeah. In this case, you know, some cases are most obviously they're different. Maybe there's not a lot financially that you have to worry about. Maybe they don't own a home. Uh, My mom does not own a home. So that will be a very different situation. But in this case, there, there, there are some things and there are six beneficiaries. And so it gets a little bit more complicated and and the dynamics of the siblings or the beneficiaries, yeah. when you think that everybody's okay and they're doing fine and no one's going to have an issue, yeah. once you have to have those tough conversations. My experience has been nine times out of 10, it can get pretty difficult between yeah. the siblings or the beneficiaries. And so if the parents can have a plan so that they can prevent that, yeah. It's super and, important. And when you out, when you kind of communicate it to them that way, yeah. Um, you know, your question was, when should you have the conversation and how should you approach it? I think if you can come from a place of this is going to prevent the drama, the chance of there being bitterness, outbursts, whatever that is between, you know, your children, that is the ultimate goal. And then, of course, the person that's going to be the executor and relieving them of the stress and the burden that would come along with that. Yeah, um, because that is a real thing. Oh, for sure. And I w- I did this with my parents about, you know, and I have a stepfather and that's what I would highly recommend so to exactly to your point. Of, they don't have a lot of wealth, but my whole motivation was I want to carry out your wishes. I'm kind of the main contact, me and my older brother, but I want to carry out your wishes. This is not about just to make sure that whoever you want to get X gets it. And there's no question on if I'm doing the right thing or my brother's doing the right thing. And so I think those are the first questions. But along with that, what we did is we also recorded a conversation. This was super eye-opening, but we recorded, Scott recorded the conversation when I was asking them, I've never asked you. So they have burial plots, but I've never asked them. My mom is not a religious person, but what, have you ever thought what you want Do you want a funeral? Do you want a life celebration? Do you want, what is your, what flowers do you want? What do you want it to look like? And it got really emotional because she told me a song that she wants played. Oh, wow. Um, She told me her flowers. She told me, and she kind of wants a combination, but you know, she said, I never really thought about that. But I think that is really important to ask those questions so that we can honor them the best that we can. And hopefully they, you know, they are in the position that they can have a plan in place. You know, my dad and his wife had already paid for their cremation. They had already set all of that up. So that made it less work for us. But that's not always the, the situation. But if you can 
at least have an outline of what they hope to have. And then, you know, the next conversation, I think that's that we're getting to the will is important. The trust is important for in the event that they pass. Yeah. But what are the plans as they're aging and when they can no longer take care of themselves? Yeah. And then you're starting to see their health maybe deteriorate and whatever that looks like. And and I think that's something that we don't talk about. What is our plan for that? We talk about when they die. Yeah. But hopefully they're going to live longer. But what does that look like? And how does that impact us? Well, that's huge because they, we all have, I mean, I've thought about it. You know, we've talked about it. And I definitely want to set it up to where I don't put the burden on my children. But I think for our parents' generation, I don't think they really ever talked about it as much, but yeah, you're right. Asking them, most people don't want to go into a home right? if they can avoid it. But there are cases, which I know we have many friends that have went through this where now there's independent living, but there's assisted living, but some people are in their home and they just don't want to leave. And so the family is now taking on this burden of how financially can we have somebody come in and help or not and it's a it's a strain on family members well and i'm in the thick of that right now yeah. so my dad passes away and the conversations we were having with his wife loretta uh, she's 81 and the conversations were that she wanted to go into assisted living her parents had gone into assisted living and they thrived oh, on it they awesome. fortunately they could afford a nice facility yes. And, you know, Loretta's in a position where she could as well. So that was the plan. We thought we would have some time to kind of wrap up what we needed to do financially with her yeah. with her estate and my dad's estate. And that we would take at least maybe, maybe six months, three to six months and get yeah. her, you know, settled. And then we would start looking at centers. Well, within 30 days, she changed her mind. <laughs> and she yeah. had, there were outside influences that had convinced her she just needed to stay in her house. Yeah. Uh, totally outside of the children that are there having to, you know, that are supporting and, and yeah. trying to help her navigate being alone and, and her being able to be driven to doctor's appointments, driven to the grocery store, yeah. all of these things that we don't think about. And she is convinced that she's going to stay in her house. Yeah. And so we're all trying to, be supportive of that, but also be realistic. Yeah. And how long can that continue? Yeah. The children are all, you know, three of us are out of state. And then there there are other family members that are there. They're in their 40s. Yeah. Um, early 50s that are, you know, busy, careers, children, yeah. all of those things. And and so it does bring on challenges that, you know, if we could have had a better plan, maybe we could have navigated yeah. that a little differently. And I think it's hard for them to really think about it. You know, you don't know where how you're going to be. And that's why I think having the conversation up front is so critical. Because even if financially they can afford anything they want, it's still communicating to the children what their wishes are. Because you're trying to honor her wishes. But Correct. you got to yeah. talk about the financial aspect of can we can we do it? Can you do it? And then you have the flip side. So I'm going into that. There is sometimes that shift too of they're mentally great. There's clarity. There's no problem. They can, they can articulate their wishes and their desires. And you want to have that conversation while they're there. But if that shifts, and as we have kind of seen your roles start shifting from, you know, just honoring their wishes to you start becoming the parent a little bit. So you start parenting your parents 
if you have to start going to doctor's appointments, they don't really remember what's going on or medically, you know, just depends on where they're at. It depends, changes your role. It does. And having an executor, in, in this case, I'm the executor of Loretta and the estate. And it's it's a tough role yeah, uh, because you do want to honor their wishes. And you also want to make sure that you're paying attention to the rest of the family that has an opinion or a say that. And, and so collectively, you're coming together trying to make sure that you're respecting all of it. And yeah. and so it can be a tough position, but making sure that you have the right person in place that can handle that. And hopefully, you know, the parent is still aware. Yeah. Uh, we're in a good place. We're seeing little signs of things, but that could just be grief. So we're not quite certain what, what yeah. that looks like. I, I will say that, you know, we talked about checking accounts and getting on their accounts just to Make sure that it's safe, that they're, you know, you hear so many stories where money gets spent, someone comes in, convinces them to invest or borrow or whatever that looks like. Right. And that's something I just had not even thought about. And we did actually take those steps, but it's, it was so outside of my even thought process that this would be what we would be doing today. Yeah. That these are things that I would have to be thinking about and considering. Right. And it's overwhelming and it's a lot, but if you're prepared and you can are having those conversations with your parents, you're doing your research, there's a lot of information out there to kind of help you navigate that because it is, it is overwhelming. Yeah. So just to kind of recap just really quickly on the first part of, you know, where do you even start? It's first having that conversation when they're in a great position to have that conversation. Where are they financially? A lot of times we just don't know. Um, And I think the second step is really knowing when you need to intervene and when is that? And you just touched on being on bank accounts and all of that. And I think helping them gather their information depends on what time of life they're at, right? Helping them gather their birth certificates, their bank accounts, becoming a signer on their bank accounts, all of that. When they know what they're doing and they feel good about it, and hopefully you've encouraged them to do a trust and and take care of all that. But then there's a second step as things start shifting is knowing when to intervene. How do you know when to intervene? Because I think what comes with that is you've got siblings. I feel like you got to set expectations with everybody of who's going to do what, because it all of a sudden can be, if it ha- something happens suddenly, it becomes very overwhelming. I mean, you moved to Idaho. Right. And was trying to work and we're, you know, it, that's all of it. And it was overwhelming. And I have a brother that lives in Canada. So of course that wasn't realistic for him to be there. My sister lives in Utah and she had things that were, you know, preventing her from being there. So yeah. what we've tried to do, and I've witnessed this with other families, which I think is so beautiful when this works. I've witnessed where there's multiple siblings and they take shifts. You know, they commit, each one commits to when they're living in the home until they have to make that decision to make yeah. a change. But while they're living in the home, they have, you know, one sibling does Monday, Wednesday, Friday, another does Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and they alternate and and are able to manage it. And that helps them to keep them in the home longer, which I think yeah. is ultimately the best case scenario if that works and it's not taking too much of a time on the siblings that are doing it. So right. in our case, we have three siblings all of that estate. Yeah. And we have her nieces that have really jumped in and helped and been committed to helping and doing basically that alternating days. But there will be a time when that won't work. And then yeah. also as she's aging and observing the changes that are happening and yeah. recognizing when is it going to be the time. And 
And I've seen that play out really sadly as well. I've, I have a friend who went through that with her father and, and when they made the decision that they could no longer, they did it for two years where they alternated their shifts and it was draining on them. Yeah. I just thought it was so beautiful, the commitment that they had to him though. And when they finally had to make the decision because it was just too much yeah, and he had changed so much, he was devastated I'm and sure. he was angry and, but they had no other choice. And so that whole dynamic yeah. makes it difficult to get to that place. And then you feel guilty. See, and I think that goes back to the conversations too, at the beginning when they're, because is it realistic? And see, I, you know, everybody's, it's a personal thing for everybody. I don't want that to be a burden on my kids. I don't want them to feel like they got to be with me 24 seven. And you know, who knows, you know, we all wish probably, I think a lot of us wish we're just going to die fast. It's not going to be a big deal. The trust is all set up. That would be the perfect scenario for me, but that's not what the majority of us are dealing with. Well, and I'll give you another example. My mom is 81 and her financial situation is very different. Yeah. And we're starting to see her struggle with certain things. Yeah. Uh, Just being able to walk down the stairs and do her laundry. She lives in an apartment complex. And my sister and I are having constant conversations. What is this going to look like? You know, the ability to go into assisted living may not be an option. Yeah. Our brother has been a saint and does the majority of the care, but there's going to come a time that we're going to need to have that conversation. And will she live with one of us if that's not an option? And who yeah. is that going to be? What is that going to look like? And so those it's it's a lot to take on and but it needs to happen. Yeah. I would say a lot of things we don't think about too. I know for sure I haven't is when my mom fell and broke her wrist last fall and needed surgery, then all of a sudden even though my stepfather is still alive, he is not capable to help her shower or help her, you know, that's a major and they you have surgery and you you go right home. And Jumping in to take care, but it's also, can she get in-home health care? Who do I call? Doctors have to prescribe this. Like it's so, there's so much to deal with. And you're like, where do I even start? And that was, that was really hard communicating with physical therapy. And you kind of, somebody in the family has to take on that role. Right. If one of the others, you know, can't do it, if one, if they're married or whatever. And for your mom being single. So there's a lot there to really think about. And we haven't even talked about the emotional side of all of this and the toll it takes on not only your parents, because think about them. They've been independent. And this is what I try to remember all the time. We've got to show them some love and grace because they've been independent. Now as the role is shifting, it's easy to come into that parent role and we're parenting our parents and we get frustrated and we get impatient, impatient. And remembering the strong person that they were they're in it just, it's a, it's a dynamic that we just haven't dealt with. And they don't want to be a burden. No. Ultimately, they don't want to be a burden. No. no. So we have done a lot of, so like we said, we're talking on just the tip of the iceberg of dealing with aging parents. And we're in it, like all of our, all all of our, of friends. our friends are in it right now. So if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, you're dealing with your parents in some capacity or another. And I just highly encourage everybody to just start having the conversation so you can honor honor their wishes. But 
we have discovered so many resources and I really want to share these with you because I think they're powerful. So if you're dealing with that right now, start off with Medicare.gov. Find out the differences between Medicare and Medicaid. Medicaid is def- is for lower income, but what are your options? Do you even know anything about it? And I would highly recommend, as I found an incredible podcast, it's, the podcast is Aging Life with Nancy Oriola. And it's such a great podcast because she started talking about the biggest mistakes with Medicare, but we need to know it in our 60s. On our 64th birthday, we need to know what the differences are. And so I highly recommend going to her podcast as well. There is also usaging.org. One of my favorite websites I found is seniorlifestyle.com. That was a really good website. It had so many different resources on how to, it really dove into caring for your parents at any stage and a ton of resources. There was also a couple of books, Caring for Your Aging Parents. It's a complete guide by AARP and Elder Care. And then there's an Elder Care Planner by Joy Lovard that you can find on Amazon. So those were all really great resources, but for you, and I being in the thick of it, you more so than I, because, you know, what would be your best advice that you could tell our listeners when dealing with this? Well, I think it's back to what I kind of said earlier. We talked about the will and the trust, but we never had a conversation about what it would look like when they couldn't take care of themselves. Yeah. And so that has not been a conversation until now. And now is a little bit more difficult because we've lost one parent and we're coping through the grieving that she's experiencing on top of the aging and being able to be more independent. And so she's, so it's a challenge for us there. So I would say the most important piece is having the conversation about them, what the care will be for their long-term living and having an outline for that and a plan, because most likely if they're not in a financial position, you're probably going to take on more of a role than you think, whether it's a financial or just the caregiving. And that is something you and your family have to be prepared for. Yeah. And so having that now, I think is best case scenario. Yeah. I think that is really important. I also think having the conversation with your siblings Maybe that's aside from with your parents, but if you're all sitting down and talking to your parents at a different time, everybody's takeaway is so different. But I think having that conversation, the dialogue with your siblings, and I'm so grateful that I talked to my parents into doing a trust because it just, to your point, it took the pressure off of me. I know that I can just say, this is what they wanted. This is their wishes. Um, It makes it real easy. And then I would also say, I know so many people who have dealt with a parent dying of cancer or there's some really unfortunate things I know a lot of people have to deal with and maybe it's heart failure, whatever. And you're requiring, it requires round the clock care. And we touched on it before we started this recording, but there's also a podcast, uh, Tuesday people with Mitch album, where he interviewed Maury Schwartz, who was dying of ALS. I never thought about this before, but he did not want his children to be his main caregivers because he wanted them to come and visit him, not to take care of him, but to love him and have the conversations as a family member, even so much so for even for his wife. He didn't want his kids trying to bathe them or his wife trying to feed him every meal. He still wanted her to have somewhat of a normal life, all of the people, and he hired it. Now he was fortunate enough he could do that. But what it said to me is that those were his wishes, not necessarily his family wishes, 
those were his wishes because he wanted his memories. He wanted his kids and his wife and his close friends' memories to be the time they spent together. Not, I had to bathe them. I had to. And I just had never thought about it before. I thought it was so... So beautiful. Loving. I think it's beautiful and it's a blessing that he was able to do that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's the other side we talked about where some of the family members will, you know, probably be pretty adamant. No, I'm not having someone else take care of my dad or my mom. I am going to do the care. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. If it's long term and you're talking 10 years, five years, even a couple of years can be a lot for someone. So... Hopefully, you know, you are able to, you know, have a backup plan because it can be very wearing on the relationship, can be very wearing on you and your spouse, if you're married, your family, everyone involved. So my recommendation is during this season of life (laughs) that is new, there's always chapters, is being patient, but really starting the conversation. I don't care how healthy your parents are, how sharp they are. Do you know their wishes? Because it could happen at any time. Yes. I mean, it can happen in their 60s. It can happen in their 70s. And we hope that they live forever, you know, for a long time. But having the conversation, I feel so much better knowing I will carry out their wishes more than anything. But it doesn't make it easier. And give yourself some grace and patience and with your siblings and yourself, because it's a lot to take on. And we will have all of these resources in our show notes, but also listed on our website. Yes. Yes. So thank you, everyone. This has been a deep topic. We would love any feedback that you have or what you might be dealing with. Because like I said, we just touched the tip of the iceberg. There's millions of different scenarios out there, but it's an important topic. So thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 